Welcome to Returning Citizen Association. My name is Ricky Gaines. Uh, today we're going to have a special day. I'll start with the mission of Returning Citizens. Our mission is to increase the economic, political, and social capital of returning citizens in the United States of America. What that means in short is just to uh, increase the opportunities for system impacted people. Uh, the economic is related to um, legitimate income. So it could be jobs or it could be entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. Um, the political is is not about voting. It's strictly dealing with um, ending the collateral consequences that uh, system impacted people face when they come home and they get off parole and all that stuff. They still face these barriers. And the social is just basically uh, like I'm here with my neighbors outside. Um, I want people not to be stick. I, I don't want to be stigmatized because of the uh, the 24 years that I spent in prison um, on my life sins. I want to be. Um, known as as a citizen who paid it, you know, like I paid my my debt to society for that stuff, and I'm um, I'm living a totally different life, and that's what we're trying to do: um, increase the opportunities for people like myself and my family. Um, our goal is to reduce the recidivism rate, and the main way that we do that is for us who has been inside uh, incarcerated to when we come home to never go back. Yeah, I try to give us a. a Good introduction of who you are, what you're involved in. Um, if, if you have any um, entrepreneur stuff going on, uh, you like to uh, let us know about. That's great. Um, if, if you got any creative stuff you got going on, that's great as well. Because um, we're all about increasing opportunities and helping people. Uh, like myself, like I, like I said, like I, um, I did a life sentence. I was 18 when I was arrested. Um, I was convicted for. Uh, Worst crime you can imagine, right? And um, I had a life sentence. So um, I spent 24 years in there. I did not know I was coming home, uh, but I had the possibility of parole. And um, in there, uh, like I utilized all the opportunities that available to me. Um, I even, um, uh, people say that I never gave my my introduction, my introduction now. Um, I even created some opportunities for myself while I was in there and for others. Um, I became a publisher while I was inside prison. And uh, like we published on... Uh, um, several like about 12 publications so far to date and uh, that's one of our missions um, for, for my for-profit company uh, Capital Gains LLC uh, my mission is to uh, help uh, people who are incarcerated um, publish their material like I ran into so many writers after I published a book and I'm now I understand the creativity uh, that people always talk about <laughs> um, so, yeah. the purpose of today what we're going to talk about is a mother's cry and um, how we're going to do a little twist on that is that we're going to uh, for my guys and my ladies out there who are former perpetrators of crime and violence, we're going to talk about like our impact of that stuff um, on the community. And uh, uh, we won't leave it there. We want to talk about now uh, our impact today, you know, because uh, today we're making a very different impact than we did in the past. Okay. Hello, I'm Andrea Gaines, I'm Ricky's wife. I am a business account executive at Bexis Fiber. I have been in the communications industry for about 20 years and also do like side work, you know, for my husband and capital gains. Also this, you know, and then I'm a wife and a mom. So I haven't been physically incarcerated, but I did do 10 years with Ricky. And, you know, and that's why I'm here, you know, representing those who have been affected by the incarceration system. You know what I'm saying? Because it's just traumatic no matter how much you look at it. You know what I mean? And so with him returning to society and all the obstacles that come with that, you know, I'm here for support. And I am also here to hear about a mother's cry. You know what I mean? I want to.
hear your story in depth. I want to hear more about that. And, you know, I'm uh, happy to see the new faces. So with that, I'm going to pass it to Nina. Okay. I said, welcome, welcome everybody to Malik's guest, my guest. I'm glad you guys are here. I also want to hear about a mother's cry. And, um, you know, I didn't do no time in the penitentiary, but I was throwing bricks at the penitentiary. I did a lot of time, you know, uh, quite a few bids in the county jail. And I've done a lot of time with my family members. I say I've done a lot of time with them, you know, ex-boyfriends, family members. So when Ricky came to me about this, I was all in. I was like, say less. I'm in. <laughs> uh, hello, everyone. This is uh, Malik. I'm um, signing in. Saying hello to every one of you. Um, this has been a little adventure here. Um, I'm really appreciating um, being able to come on and talk about, you know, turning citizens. Me, myself, I have a total of like maybe 21, 22 years in. Um, but I came out hey, and I'm go. staying out. Can you hear me? Hey there, what's up, Frank Black? Oh, there you go, right there. Okay, I know you, fella. And uh, what's up? And uh, so um, yeah, um, I came home, got myself together, and um, you know, I'm an I'm an entrepreneur. I own my own business now. I have a clothing store, retail store, along with a flower shop in it, and Vallejo, California, sixteen twenty four. Fairgrounds Drive, uh, Suite C and D. That's Vallejo, California, 94589. And hopefully I'll be open in about a week's time. As soon as the city gives me their go ahead, you know, so I can make some money that, make some money back that I put in it. Along with my wife, Carolyn, you know, she's, you know, probably one of the designers in here, one of the main designers. Frank, we know you and uh, you know us. We're taking pictures together. And um, so, also, I have a guest here. Her name is Denise <laughs> Coleman for life. She's a great woman. She's done a lot of great things. I've been with her where she shot film, and me and my wife when we're doing movies or whatever we, you know, were able to do in the film industry. Um, I guess I want to turn it over to Denise because I want you to speak on yourself and what you know, what you do. You know, it's very interesting. She just got back from Switzerland, so I'm really, really happy that she made it. You know. She's really a loyal person. I hear them, but my name is Denise Coleman. Oh, I'm a line producer. I do film stuff. Um, I help other people's projects. I do a lot of behind the scenes stuff. Um, so I like, suppose somebody wanted to do a film and I would consult with them. So I have a consulting company out of San Francisco um, called Coleman for Life. So maybe somebody wants to consult about doing a film or they need a line producer. So what I would do is put their film into a, a program that I use. Uh, from that program, then I'll get everybody to where they have to go and do the call sheets. So I'm kind of like a paper pusher. Um, I also, um, I worked, I was a second director on a film. It wasn't my film, so, but it's called My Sister's Keeper, um, Stronghawk, that was released out of Oakland not too long ago. And I worked on a few other projects that haven't kind of been released, but they were like just um, little things put out um, that they're trying to shop around. Um, I work in mental health. I work with a lot of people that come out of jail. Um, I'm a peer support. I'm also a person that has two felonies. Um, I fought a case for a long time, spent a lot of money. And um, I'm a daughter of a pimp um, that used to be out of Richmond. 
in you know Oakland back in the day. So I was raised in Richmond. My father was named CC Charles Coleman. They called him CC from Stockton to Oakland and Richmond. You know, um, you know, I'm just a product of that lifestyle. So, you know, I grew up a little different. My story is way different, and I rock a different way. And I was raised in Soledad. Um, my father had a life sentence at one time, and on his five years, this is for weed at that. Um, so, you know, I spent a lot of time every weekend up at Soledad. So that was my life growing up in Soledad until my father got out um, and back to the lifestyle that he knew. So that's a little bit about my background. And I just grew up in that lifestyle. And that's what I know. And I'm always hooraying for the person at the bottom. Um, you know, sometimes it's not about we are not our past. And I don't never <coughs> look down on nobody else's that's done something. So I try to remind people no matter what right. I did or for whatever reason I did it, I am not my past. Oh, sorry. Um, people calling in. Um, but thank you for having me here. I'm glad to come and, and hear what everybody has to talk about. I'm going to pass it back over. Okay. Uh, man, Denise, uh, welcome. And uh, thank you so much for uh, being here. Uh, my God. Uh, like, I don't know you, but I kind of love you already, though, right? Just based on, based on your story. Like uh, we all have these stories and um, I tr we try to express, uh, express to people that uh, even though we have this past, you know, like my cousin said at one time, he said, if you look at us on paper, we look like monsters. Like I didn't totally agree with the whole statement, but I do, though. Right. If you look at us on paper, we don't look like uh, uh, very great people. But if you deal with us and you get to know us, like you understand, like we are some of the best people that you can have around, you know. Right. So. Um, I'm looking forward to get to know you and like know um, more about your story, especially because you're a female. Um, I we have daughters, all daughters, and um, that 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 history that probably Frank the Baker tells a little bit about. Uh, you said that you're coming from a um, your father's an ex pimp. Like those are stories that I think young ladies need to understand and know about. That way they can avoid some of that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? So uh, I'm just so grateful to have you. And thank you. You're welcome. Hi, everybody. Hi. I've been and they talked about prison, so I'm glad they didn't say why I went to prison. I was just thinking, I'm so good because I got caught up at a young age. I remember I used to bring the hair runs at San Quentin Prison. Oh, my God. Just like thinking about it, I did some crazy stuff with God and kids. And then, y'all know, I lost my baby. So out of my pain. Wait, 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 wait. Can we go back Because right yeah, that was a little slick. Right yeah, that was something slick. I just want to audience to kind of get that. What you say? You said something about some San Quentin prison. What was that? Oh, I used to bring hammer. This is a yacht. Oh, yeah. Can I hear you? Yeah. And I remember, um, I remember what, the first time I did it, I, I had the balloon in my mouth, and then I got scared, and I swallowed it. So I had to go to this lady. She gave me some stuff to make me use the bathroom and vomit. And then she gave me some more, and I went back the next day. And I had to use the bathroom. It came out, so I had two balloons. But I was so nervous. Okay, one more I'm thing. I'm sorry. Down. I want to cut you off again, but I just want our people to know. This. See, this is important for, like, she just told us something. Nana, I'm going to put you on mute right quick, Nana. Um, she just um, told us something, y'all, that I don't know who had her for doing that or who asked her to do that. Uh, um, But that's the kind of stuff, what I'm saying, that the kind of, issues that our system impacted people go through they never was in prison 
right? She didn't say she was in prison. I know she said she did some uh, time before, but I'm just wanting to understand like the things that our people go through to 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 be connected to us, right? With that, okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Thank you. That's another side. Um, December actually is um, drug driving awareness, so I'm going to uh, get together with some mothers to give a little lunch and stuff like that. But this is basically for mothers that lost their kids. And like I said, um, we cry about everything with our kids, you know, being born, a lot of things. But that cry of losing a child, like I said, it just messed with it. Just messed with your whole life, yo. You know your movement and everything, but God is there. But um, it's just for mothers, to, you know, for us to get together and vent because people don't want to hear us. We want to vent about ourselves. Like I said, I lost so-called friends and family members when I want to talk about my baby. But God connected me with other mothers that we could talk, we could cry, we could pray, we could. You know what I'm saying? We, you know, like the other day, a friend of mine lost her son a couple months ago in. She called me the the bit, you know, and I just listened. Like, you know, I know that pain. I, I this is her because I know what she's dealing with, but but God is good, you know. It thank God for him. Like I said last time it wasn't for him. I'll be going and having my business, but but God say, Carolyn, don't go because I'll be wanting to go and watch your movement and the Lord say, Don't go over there because if you see her happy, enjoy yourself, you gonna run her over. And if I run over, I'm a killer. So I gotta, I gotta listen to the Lord and don't go over there. So, but God is good. Y'all pray for me. So wait, I got a question for you. Okay, so <laughs> for the people who maybe maybe got this going on, like recent stuff, um, recent grief, you know, um, um, that's kind of how this podcast started. Uh, Nana was talking about her mother. Um, I don't think it was something violent um, that happened, but um, just if. If you could share some skills, like some coping skills with someone who's going through this type of stuff, or maybe probably will go through it, what are some of the things that you you grabbed on to that, that uh, keeps you going? God's unchanging hands. I hold on to God with everything, every second, minute, and hour. Because, like I said, that grief, we don't know, I don't know when it's going to hit. You know what I'm saying? I, I just don't know. If people say, Oh, get over. No, I'm not trying to get over my daughter, my baby. My my family's not complete no more. You know what I'm saying? It's like holidays, day, days. I'm gonna call my daughter, but she I can't. You know what I'm saying? So I just I just encourage the mothers if I encourage myself first that whatever you do, hold on to God because I know mothers personally that they, after their baby died, got killed, they they wanted to go and they went. They they went. I know mothers that Lost their mind. You know what I'm saying? So I thank God I know him because if I didn't know him, it'd be ugly. You know, Amen. it'd be ugly. Amen. Like I said, I didn't get an opportunity to be involved in making arrangements for my daughter's funeral, but God is it because the enemy was like, take a drink. And if I would have took a drink, trust and believe, I would have went to the funeral fighting people. That if I would have took a drink. But God. I had to hold on to him with everything I, I had. So that's what I encourage other mothers to do. And God is so good. One of the, the people called me from the church and I was like, you have a grief ministry? And she said, no. So when that little pastor was preaching today, he, he said, well, a lady, uh, one of the staff members mentioned that a lady 
um, asked if they have a grief ministry. And I just told them, I said, the Lord may use me to, you know, have the grief ministry at the church because we need that. Seriously, that, I mean, losing the child, I'm telling you, we, you, so, but God is good, I'm just grateful, you know, when it comes. And loss, like, that can be big, you know, because people deal with loss of a partner, loss, like, my daughter's dealing with loss of a father, grief, that can be a whole thing, you know, all the grief people, you know, because death is real, and it happens all the time. But, yes, I pray for that for you. Like you never get, I mean, it's like, that's something I'll never get over. I, it's something I would never get over. Oh, we can't hear you. Hold on, hold on. We can't hear you. Oh, wait. I can y'all hear? No, no, I couldn't hear you. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's something that losing a child that you will never get over. Because it's holidays, things come up. You know what I'm saying? Pictures, memories. It's like my daughter, her phone number, I would send her prayers every day. So she would fall and then. But never got cut off. So that was the Lord saying, like, okay, the season to send in prayer to your daughter phone. Okay. So I had to accept it. Like it when it happened, my heart jumped like, you know what I'm saying? I was like, oh my God, I can't send my baby prayers no more. But that's something, you know, it's like they say, it's stages of death. Like I think it's grief, anger. So I'd be like, I like I have not look, I'd be thinking I got over one. And I was like, oh, I'm back to that one again. So I, I, I can't, I don't think I'm going to ever get, get through them five, five brief um, stages. Yes, I, I get, no. That's good. That's good, Terrell. And look, 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 let me just add to that what you said. Because I think what you just said, what you just said was, went back to what I was actually about, the, what you picked, what you picked about it. Because I'm a, like, I'm an optimist. I'm a kind of guy that I drive my family crazy because I can't never focus on the problem. Like I can't never focus on a problem that that don't work for me. You know, I have to focus on something positive that I can give me energy. So what you just said about the grief counseling thing for the church, all right? You, you being some kind of because you're already doing that for yourself. You're already doing that for other ladies now. Um, but I just think that that's something that could jump out at you, uh, or uh, that's what just jumped out at me about uh, what could be helpful because you know, uh, I mean, you got experience. And you're still here, though, you know? And you know what? God is giving me more strength because I couldn't talk about my baby without crying. Every time I talk, speaking to somebody like I have to speak in Sacramento, and if I Friday, I have to go out there and speak again at the Capitol. But I couldn't talk without crying. But God is giving me strength every second minute of an hour. You know what I'm saying? It, it may be a time I sit down here, I may be bored. You know, but. I'm just grateful, y'all. I'm, 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 I'm just grateful. This is still how my mom feels. You know what I'm saying? Because right. I was never trying to get me. And I, I go to the mental hospital. Last time I drove myself. But God delivered me from it. He delivered me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, um, but I'm just grateful. I, I, I'm grateful. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful right now. So to our other guests, uh, Nina, Dre, um, you guys I got anything to chime in about this? Right yes, here? I definitely do. I understand how you feel, even though my mother, she wasn't killed violently. You know, she died from cancer. I understand your grief. I really do. And I'm so, so sorry about it. 
because, you know, we have our good days and then we have our bad days. And, you know, I'm still dealing with it. It's been five, five years since my mom been gone and I'm still dealing with it. And some days it is so hard. So I understand what you're going through. Nana, we wish you. We love you. We wish you. And you too, Terrilyn. If the Lord gave me a Facebook page, it's called a Mother's Cry. And um, it be mothers, some of you said, I, I finally washed my face. I, I finally took a bath. Like months, months of telling you. It be, it be real with, with the, oh my God. It's like, I'm telling you. It's like, I think it was Thanksgiving or something. I'm just encouraging mothers and encouraging mothers. But then the next day, I had to be encouraged because I was just like, I was just having my moment and, it, and I had to get encouraged. You know what I'm saying? So, but yes. it gives me strength to encourage other mothers. It, it really gives it really gives me strength. You know, that's where my strength comes from. It comes from the Lord. It comes from sinning. Because I said uh, prayers out to them. So, you know, it's just, it's just it's just God. I, it's not. It don't have anything to do with me. It's him. Not only that, you're an example to other Sorry. ladies. Yeah, I try to you're be. an example. So, Rick, can I say something to that effect? Um, because it's not only the women that suffer from that too. Because my little brother last year got killed by a drunk driver, and my that was my mother's baby. And then I had to tell my mother who I was taking care of. And she had a heart attack in my arms and died. This happened last year. But like Rick always says, I'm an optimist myself. I can't, I, I think prison desensitized me to a certain way to make me so I don't, they think, people think I don't feel those things, but I keep them inside. And that's the only way I can lead. I can't lead. And I understand my wife, she's very emotional and that's nothing wrong with it, you know? And that's because she's a woman and I'm a man. I have to be somewhat, you know, up and down, straight up and down, rigid somewhat. But, um, you know, sometimes I get to myself and she doesn't know when I'm telling her I need to go out of myself and I need to be by myself. And I just go out to the water and just think. I said, wow, my mom died in my arms. I wear her cross on my neck. I wear a ring. I took care of her ever since when I came home from prison for five years. And um, was, I was trying to get her to 100, you know. And uh, like I said, but she died in my arms after I told her about my little brother. I wish that I would have not told her about my little brother getting killed. but. I told her with family influencing me too. I should have just not did it. I don't think maybe she would have been here a couple more years. And whatever God will, it would be going to happen. So it's men that are grieving too. Also, maybe not because of the loss of a son or a daughter. You know, I lost my granddaughter last year too. Huh? My yeah. granddaughter this year, right? This year, Nevaeh. No, last year wasn't last. It was this year. Yeah, right? it was this year. My granddaughter. She's only four years old. She went to a diabetic coma. Mm-hmm. And um, so I've lost, and then I lost my sister that last year, and then my nephew. I, I lost so many people, but like I said, like she said, you know, only God can keep you strong and get you going through it. That's why I try to stick to sending out the prayers too, and also um, going to church and trying to be, you know, staying faithful to a God that's always been faithful to me, even though when I haven't been faithful to Him the majority of the time. God bless y'all. That's one to throw that out there. <laughs> right on. Thank you, Brother Malik. I just want to uh, piggyback a little bit about what you just said, something that um, I kind of always get this analogy about uh, how we was uh, like how I was missing, misinfluenced um, to, 
to live this this fast life or something like that is crime, but I totally chose it. Um, but I talk about how right was wrong and, and, and wrong was right, up was down and down was, was up. Well, the same thing what you just said, like um, to survive, like I always said, like I want to get out of prison better. I want to get out of prison smarter than I was when I went in. I didn't want to get out of prison more yoke and more buff. I said, that ain't going to serve me well because, uh, you know, so my whole thing was about surviving. I never know how much time I had to do. So what you just said is the skills that we learned um, in order to survive that and, and be intact uh, without doing some of the things like Terry Lynn said, like some people goes crazy. Like when we face trauma, like it's all kind of things that can happen to us. And uh, um, uh, that's why we're going to do this thing about um, um, emotional intelligence. I think that's going to be pretty important for people to be like aware, you know. Uh, but the whole idea of me in prison, like that's that thing you said about uh, when things is going wrong, or like my my optimisticness. It was so horrible. It was so horrible. My reality, what I faced on paper, was so horrible that I had to find something to keep me going. Right. Like sometimes life things can be happening so bad that if we look at it like on face value, we'd be like, what the hell? Like people tell me, why are you going to school? Like you never come home. Like people literally say that. You ain't never getting out. Ooh, why are you doing that? Why are you doing all this good stuff? So uh my point is now today, nowadays, some of the strengths that that helped me survive that thing is like compartmentalizing my feelings and like, like I'm sitting there fighting back tears when I hear you guys talk about or you ladies talk about like your grief and I hear Nina's grief, like still raw she says five years still raw right and i'm fighting back tears up because i learned how to compartmentalize my stuff so good where i'm able to function with all this stuff going on but guess what in personal relationships that don't that like that's a that's a like that's maybe my wife can speak to it but a lot of things is like by me not being like i'm very uh in tune with my emotions, but like what Malik was saying about like to be able to keep going and to have that, that, that stoicness about going through life. I got to go to work, man. I got to take care of this business. You know, like we don't have time to sit in here. Oh, this is what I always say. I don't wallow in that. You're like, yeah, it's happened. Okay. We can't wallow in that. Let's go. Um, I read this analogy. She raised up in, but I read this analogy about, um, this rubber band thing, like um, it's like a sports analogy. Like when you miss up a play or something right there, just pop the rubber band. Is that that play is over? Let's go. So that's the kind of thing that I try to live on. And it's it's sometimes, I mean, it's good work for prison, right? Because all kind of stuff go on. You can wake up in the morning, and all of a sudden things are totally different. But for real life relationships and families and things like that, which we're gonna get on uh, talking about healthy relationships. We got to talk about this stuff. That's why we got this group, Willie. We're going to be talking about some of this stuff and try to figure out um, without being so emotional. Like I always talk about like in business that like we can't be all emotional in business, but there's some very great women business entrepreneurs and we probably got one or, or look like we have one right here with uh, Mr. Denise Coleman. Um, so yeah, so that's my two bits about what you said. It's, um, I just want to reiterate that point. The point I make is that the skills that we use to survive inside, sometimes we bring those skills outside uh, we have to relearn stuff, you know, and um, I don't know, whoever wants to speak on that, y'all can. <laughs> I'll speak on it. So emotional vulnerability, things like that, that's power. Like that's where your power is, you know? So when 
he wants to like rush through. I'm like, hold on. Yes, the goal is to overcome. The goal is to have the solution. We have to talk about and point out what it is. You know what I mean? And maybe, maybe have a conversation about it. Maybe not. But, you know, dealing with grief in general is hard for everybody. And everybody's at different stages. I know for my daughter, you know, she lost her dad to cancer. Like both of my girls, they, they lost their father to cancer. And so they were, he, they were told he had it in May. And in October, he was out of there. You know, and, and rest in peace for him. You know, but still, like, I know one of the things they say that are coping mechanisms for grief are, like, uh, she plays an instrument. So, like, playing music, keeping busy, you know, um, having a having a support system. So, having people she could talk to and she could trust about what it is that she's going through. Um, she does have counseling. I have her in counseling still, even though um, it's been two years since he's passed away. Um, but... You know, I keep that going for her because it's supportive for her. But um, those are some of the coping mechanisms. You know, I have lost family, but I haven't lost someone like like you, Terrilyn, like your daughter. I don't, I don't know what that's like because I ain't ever lost a daughter. But you know, um, my heart is with you. Is it okay if I chime in real quick? Sure. I, I have to tip my hat to them because I it's hard to lose someone so close. Um, when my nephew was killed in Stockton, it, it broke our heart because he was so young, 18, dying so young. Um, when they die young like that, you think about, you know, I'm 50 some years old, so it's like, well, 51. I think about why, why such a young child, you know? Um, but You look 39, keep... I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, thank you. Definitely feel 51, though. Um, but like how, like how you, with your business, like you have to stay busy. You have to give that space to, to cry. You have to, um, give them the space to heal. Um, even for my sister, I don't even think she's dealt with the death of her son. Like she stays busy, stays in the gym. Um, she doesn't like to focus on it, but you have to get past those stages of grief. I think it's seven stages of grief. If you look it up. Um, and then they have grief groups. Those are important because I never even realized I never even dealt with some of my own grief from my father. Um, so it, it, it definitely carries on into your relationships. Um, that trust is hard to build up. Um, that fear of hurting someone else is, is really there. It only takes you one day to snap and say, you know what? I'm going to do this because we'll stalk somebody out and we have to, we have to heal ourselves, our hearts. Um, and you have to be okay and have a support system and something set up to when you're not okay. Um, I think a lot of times we think of safety plans. We don't think about our mental health safety plan of when I'm not okay, this is what I need to do. So it's important for people to develop a safety plan for when they're not well. And these are the things that I need to do. My self-care skills, uh, like you said, music. It could be pool, going on a vacation. And once you have that set up, um, it'll make it easier to get through those times when you're not doing well. So you guys just keep going. Thanks for letting me speak. Thank you. We got some questions and um, stuff for you. And I'll just. Yeah. I... Go ahead. Now, you can start it off. But I just want to um, 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 definitely double back 
if we forget, make sure that we double back to to your nephew and um, that loss that you experienced. Okay, go ahead, Nana. Uh, thanks for that, Denise. Um, I didn't hear you. You said there's seven stages of grief because I'm definitely gonna look it up. You know, it's like um, Terrilyn said that it's like you you'll never get over it. I know you will because I I did have a brother. And and I have friends that done passed away. You know, I'm from the village. So I done saw a lot of friends that passed away, got killed, murdered in front of my eyes or whatever. But I never experienced nobody close to me passing away until my brother passed away at the age of 19 from cancer. And that just just that just just took me for a loop. And then 30 some years later, my mother passed away from cancer. So you know, that's my one of a couple of tragedies in my life that I have experienced. But I definitely want to look up, you know, the seven stages of grief, because some days I'm like Terrilyn. I don't know how I'm ever get over it. I miss my mother every day, especially around the holidays. It sucks. Mm, yeah, so sorry. Can I say something, please? <clears throat> it's like, at first when my baby died, I used to be just in the room. I didn't want to be, but I had to change that because if I would if I don't stay busy, and if I just, I will die mentally and spiritually. If I don't stay busy, I, I'm telling you, I'll be in that room. Don't want to be bothered. Don't, don't want to answer the phone because I was, I was there one time in my life. When my boy back, but don't want to have some phone, don't want to be door, I can't move, can't eat, can't see, can't. You know what I'm saying? I, I wake up, I see my daughter. I close my eyes, I see my daughter. I'm looking for her to come and say something to me. It, it was a trip. I, I could, but she came to me sometimes to get that. It was bad for a minute, but I said, Oh, if I lay here, I'm going to die. Let me get up to do something. So I, I, I can't, you know, I can't stay in it because I would die. I will. It was times I didn't even, I didn't even want to open my eyes. I put my eyes back and close my eyes. I didn't even want to open my eyes. But I, I had to get up. I said, I, you know, if I was just lay there, it, if I don't stay busy, it'd be bad for me. You know, because like last Sunday when I was going, I was, I woke up, I was angry. I saw my husband. I thought, I'm just angry right now. Like, you know, this lady living her life and my baby, you know what I'm saying? So, but if I say God is good, y'all can see me in prayer because I'm telling you, it's, you don't know, I don't know what state of mind or, you know what I'm saying? What may happen one moment when I was that says, you know, I lost family members and all that, but for my baby, that's a totally different death. That's a totally different one right there. When you lose something, you carry for nine months, your child, oh baby, that's different. That one right there, that right there, that's going to hit you hard. So you better know God. <laughs> you better know a plan. You better know, I'm telling you, you better know something that's going to give you that strength that you need. Because if you don't, it's like I said, I know a mother that, that, that died. She, she said, there's this. She called me because it was my ex-husband. And she said, there's this. She told me, she said, I'm, a, I'm, I'm being with my baby, my mother, my brother. She said, I want to be in there. They made me and open the casket, the thing, and put me there with her son. And a few months later, she had a heart attack. And we did everything you asked us to do. So, and I know, I know people that just, 
you know, that can't handle it. So I'm just grateful that I'm, I'm grateful that I know God. You know, I'm grateful that I, I know Him. I'm grateful that I know He said He will never leave me not forsake me. I'm grateful that I know, and that's in my book. All my books have scriptures to back up what I'm saying because He told me in His Word. He said, Carolyn, vengeance is mine. I will repay. So I know He's going to get that lady, but that, but I, the thoughts come in my mind like, go get her. And then the Lord comes and say, Carolyn, don't do it. So, so you know, but God is good. So That's Terry, all I can say. He's good. We honor you and we thank you for being here and sharing your story and being strong enough to even talk to us. But I know what you mean when you yes, say Yes, yes, definitely. Yeah, Nana, because you, Nana, we can hear the rawness in your voice. Like, thank you for even being able to stay with us, you know, when we, like, I know it's going to be a tough show, uh, tough show right here. I know it was, you know, and I just wanted to do it. And I wanted to kind of everything that Terry Lynn said that she's feeling. I want our guys and our ladies to understand that um, when we're on the wrong side of the fence, man, those are the problems that we leave in. And those are the kind of, that's the kind of pain that we are encouraging. And I think that we can do better. Um, like, I know we can do better because I'm doing better and there's other people like me that's doing better. And I just want to just uh, make sure that we can uh, know our options and our, you know, because uh, we're not locked in. Like, I, I remember for myself, like, I thought I was locked in this, um, this lifestyle. But, you know, thank God, you know, like she said, hold on to God. And thank God, but God, you know, God, God had a different plan. And it's a choice. You know, we're not forced to do anything. Anybody else want to chime in? Because I'm just talking about the, the fact that uh, we're going to do another show. I, I won't, but I'm just alluding to it a little bit about the, the impact of crime and violence on the community, on our community, and like on society at large. Like there's an impact there that people uh, feel on all sides. And like we study just re restorative justice type of model. And it's important to try to heal some of that stuff. Um, and it's something called living amends uh, for some of us who've who've uh, done things that we can't take back. You know, uh, we still. I'm like I say, like I don't sit down and wallow in my stuff. Uh, I try to find a way, a positive way. It's tough as heck. It's tough as hell. I got you. Everybody got to know. Like I say, I'm fighting back tears here because we honor survivors. You know, we honor people who. Like she didn't ask for that. You know, she didn't ask for that. She didn't go out and, and uh, do nothing like that. So same way we're able to uh, do this rupture in, in the society, this rupture in the community, we're able to do this healing too. <laughs> and thanks thanks be to God, you know. Um, anybody else got something to say? Otherwise, I'm going to... Um, no. And you know what, Ricky? It's a trip because... Right now, today, if I see an accident, a bad accident, I break out and be crying. I say, I do. I do. I go through it. Oh, my God. I pray that a cry. Like, yesterday, I seen a man walking on the freeway. I parked the highway patrol. I said, oh, this man is walking on the freeway. So that's stuff that I'm dealing with. You know what I'm saying? I see my therapist stuff. But when I see a bad accident, I'm telling you, I... I do. So that's something that, that I have to, you know, I'm praying that God get me through that part. But 
that's what I, I deal with that habit. I just accident I like, you know, because I I feel imagining like who oh, I was my baby that night. You know what I'm saying? Because oh God, because when the lady hit her, she was she was in the back lane. And when the lady hit her, she flew over to the first lane. So she was just broken up, like she had my fingers and she was just, so it was just terrible, like, you know what I'm saying? But, oh, when I see them accidents, I'd be like, ooh, I, I need prayer for y'all in that area. But it's like, like I said, God is good, but it just gives me, like, bad anxiety. I'd be like, oh, so I'm going with that right now. But, ooh. Yeah. Hard. And trauma is trauma, you know what I'm saying? Like, if it, it's trauma is trauma that does things to you mentally spiritually emotionally like to your physical being you know what i'm saying i know when you see something like that you 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 it does something to your body not just your mind your heart but your body you know so but but i know that god is preparing you to be able to speak to all them who have <laughs> who are going to be experiencing that you can be that example you know what i mean because you're going to be able to testify to that which you're doing already you know you got a partner in us and we're here for you. <laughs> sure. You know, for sure, for sure. Okay, so uh, Denise, uh, you alluded to your nephew. Um, I don't want to put you on the spot. Um, if you want to talk about it, I just think that it kind of can speak to uh, like what we're trying to do, um, like, like bring awareness and things of that nature. So I don't know if you want me to ask a specific question. Oh no, definitely. Like because whatever because he was a boy. And um my niece, she lives in Sacramento, so she deals with this every time her birthday comes up. It's heartbreaking to look at my niece, you know, to lose your twin. Um, and he came back for her graduation. He was getting his life together. And you know, sometimes I don't want to think about it, but you know, he's buried with my father. Uh, right next to my father's name was Charles too. Charles Sorrell, you know. Sometimes we just gotta say their name, say it out loud, not forget who they are. Um, with COVID and everything, we've had to. I've lost so many people that friends that I knew here in the Bay Area from COVID that we started doing rituals. Like um, we go. I have a spiritual lady in um, Fairfield, and um, she has these these rocks like we get some amethyst or we, we we get one color now so every time someone passes or it's just been something that we do we light a candle and and put you know because we just we needed something to do for those that we can remember or maybe i i get you know because i didn't have no ritual for when my son my son he's like my son my nephew passed um but i i can never my sister never talks about that pain. And I guess, you know, and I don't bring it up to her because I don't, I feel like I'm scared to bring it up because I'm scared of what my sister might do. My, my sister did eight years in jail. She's terrified of going back. You know, she, she's terrified of getting that third strike. And um, she can't even, and the, the saddest thing about it, another cousin killed him. They didn't even know, you know, so that's just to show you how small our towns are and how we don't know our family members. And then to find out another, it's just traumatizing to the family, it, the trauma to the family, the break, like even we're not close to that family, but to find out it was another family member, like a cousin of a cousin that 
You know, we don't do family reunions like we used to where we knew everybody. You know, we have these kids running on the street. We don't know whose kids they are today. It's not like back in the days when I was growing up, we knew who everybody was. We we knew who was who. So it was just that anger that we can't even go back and get them and and to even have that mindset to be healed, to heal from that. Um, it's a lady that helped me. Her her name is Dr. Gibson. She has the Agape Center in Fairfield. Um, actually, I think she won an award, too, this year, one of the best doctors. Um, she's a trauma doctor. But if you look up the Agape Center, Dr. Gibson, she helped me. She helped me get past some some pain. Um, she she runs the center. She, it's her center. But it's called the Agape Center. It's off the of Enterprise. It's over by, uh, where is it by? It's by that church, Mount Calvary, and, and Fairfield is in that area. Um, but she, she... She she put me, I went through some therapy with her and the work we did. We did the work. Like it wasn't it wasn't just for my nephew, it was just for the trauma I have gone through in my life that has gone off into my relationships and and trying to work on me um to get over that revenge because I had somebody I wanted to get revenge on to myself and putting myself in the situation to go back to jail. And um and if sometimes if we don't hear from that trauma, we can, it, it, it's going to come out in other ways. And sometimes, um, so that's the, some of the things, that's why I learned so many coping skills from her because she said, I'm going to be in the, the room with that person. We're going to run into that person because Solano County is a small County. I never thought she, this would happen, but it actually, so we actually role play. What do I do when I run into this person? We went through some role plays of what to do. And I froze out. I don't even think I did what we role played, but I didn't kill him. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't kill him in the store. He was right in front of me in the store. And all I could think about is all the cameras. Like, remember all the cameras around? Everybody gonna whip out them cameras. You going to jail. <laughs> you going to jail. It's not no, I'm gonna go sneak to the car and follow you home and come back three weeks later, you know. Because when you're in a passion of fire, you don't think. So it made me try to remember that role play, even though we didn't do it exactly like that role play. It worked because it happened. I never thought this would happen. So I know that's an important part of um, um, getting ready for when to address a person that you had that trauma with. Um, so that's that's one thing I want to share. But yeah, I, I still have some stuff to work on with that as, as a family with my sister. And because we don't, we don't talk about it because it brings up so much hurt. My sister is hurt. That's her son. That's her baby son. Mm-hmm. That's her twin. You know, and, and even with my niece, she, she's going through trauma from that. That was on her graduation day um, from high school. So she still has trauma around that and just um, drinking a lot and still trying to. So, you know, I, maybe I need to get her on here and. You know, and I I never thought about it like, God, I'm proud of my niece. And she's in the mental health field now, too. So I know this is what one of the reasons why she's gone that way, that route, too, because we're always trying to heal ourselves. I'm in the mental health because I I need to heal. I have been through some trauma and I'm tired of these doctors trying to push pills down my throat. I need to heal a different way. I need a holistic way of healing. I need I need something that they cannot give me in a pill. (laughs) Um. 
So that's that's mm-hmm. where I've been. And that's probably why I'm on the mental health board because <clears throat> it's not always about the medication. I'm not going to lie. Some people need medication. I've learned that working in I mental health. I was, I was taking it. Yeah, sometimes we need it. But it's a time that we have to learn to live without it. It's a time when that pill ain't going to work no more. That pill ain't going to put you in that situation. Um, it's going to numb something in you. So, it does. Because yeah. when, when I, after I had my first daughter, all of my mama came out and she's violent. You know what I mean? So I've never been that way. I'm running from her. You know, I don't want nothing to do with what you're doing, what you got going on <laughs> ever mm-hmm. since I was a little girl because she was abusive. But then when I had my own kid, even though I ran from it and it came out of me because it was, it was in the blood or whatever, you know, I don't know what it was. It was yeah. something like cosmic, like it just came out of me and I hit my firstborn. She was like two and I was like, oh my God, why did I do this? So mm-hmm. I called her dad and. You know, I told on myself and then I had been angry, but they put me on medicine for probably about three months. And all it did was like it, all it did was quiet me down, quiet me down and like zombified me kind of Mm -hmm. to get me through that thing. But I knew that I needed to, you know, I got myself off. So it was a three month thing, but, um, still it does do that. It, it, It like numbs you because the problems were still there. And, you know, he was still abusive and crazy and still talking to me that way. But instead of, like, reacting to it, I was laughing at it because I was on one, you know. So it kind of helped, but it really didn't help. You know what I mean? But uh, that definitely does, like, it, it can help, but you just have to be conscious of what's going on. You need other tools to help with this. Imagine. Yeah, because imagine if I wasn't conscious, I would have just stayed on it and been zombified, kind of. Yeah. You know, but No. <laughs> I, I agree with you with that. Um, it's just like I checked myself into a class because my daughter kept saying, because I choked my daughter. Um, that anger came from somewhere. She was talking crazy to me. And I was like, girl, we don't grow up like this. And she would not. She was four years old. And I just, and um, like you said, told myself to the doctor. And, and she couldn't believe the doctor was listening. Like, you you said what to your mother? Because I had a black doctor. Like, we don't do that, you know. Um, and I was like, now you're telling the doctors, I'm, now I'm really going to kick your butt when we get home. Because you start thinking about, now they're going to try to take you away from me. Um, but she said, well, maybe you should take a parenting class. You know, I took a, a parenting class. And I said, why they don't give you these classes when you're pregnant? Like, they should be free. Like, I should have had that class before I had a baby. <laughs> um, because it taught me some skills that I didn't have. That's stuff that they don't mm. teach us. Um, we have to learn as we go. We have to wait until CPS or somebody comes into our life to make us do it. I was the only one in the class that volunteered to take the class and everybody else in there was on CPS. And I was like, why do we have to wait till we get to CPS before we learn some skills on how to take care of our children when they should be giving this class out free to anybody that's pregnant? That should be a free class. It should be part of our prenatal package, you know? Um yeah. Coping skills should be a part of our prenatal package. Just learning how to get on because stuff is going to happen at work and life. Period. So I I appreciate everything that you guys are doing here and bringing it to a light. Because yeah, I have to, I I still have a lot of work because um, I haven't dealt with my nephew's death. That's something that I, it feels so sacred that I just I don't know why I never talked to the therapist about it. Um, I'm sorry, I, people keep calling me. Um, but yeah, I'm glad you put it to my forefront because now I need to work through that. I need to look at the stages of death so I can just start going through it 
to relate it to my own life. You know. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Thanks. you. Thank you. You said a lot. Are you very welcome? Um, and we probably gonna come back to you because I want to talk about the film stuff that you got going on. Uh, but let's see, because you said something like we needed to do something. That's a, uh, the whole idea. Like you said, you guys are just something. You, you like we needed to do something. Like we needed to do something. Uh, I think you said you started a uh, like a ritual or something like that. Some kind of way to like get through your stuff, get through the stuff, get through the grief, whatever it is. And I'm just um, today is grief and is loss, but in everyday life is something. Right. And I was trying to keep notes was probably lost it a little bit. But uh, that thing about like we need to do some and the idea that you said about uh, the prenatal class or some kind of like parenting classes. Right. Like so um, I'm going to connect that to this. Uh, let me try to put that thing on so you can hear me pretty good. So I talked to this lady that worked for Harvard and she uh, was doing some work on the inside of the prison before. So, so she's seen like a lot of the uh, at San Quentin where I was before I was uh, released. Uh, she's seen a lot of the, um, the what we call self-help programs like uh, we had like college program, things of that nature on the um, grounds of the prison. I mean, it was all volunteer and ran. So it wasn't like uh, the taxpayers was paying for this, but it was very, very helpful. And she always make this thing. She always make this point about uh, why ain't why is not none of that stuff in the community, right? So what happens is like, um, uh, like you said, you got to get in some issues to, in order to get the classes in order to understand like these skills, right? When we're saying like we advocate for self help programs inside the institutions, but we also want them things in the community because what happens when somebody go to an institution where they can go get all of the work done? You know, all that work done on themselves. They've been um, through all the trauma and they come back to the community where none of, where, where nothing's happening. Like, like where nothing's happening, like, uh, right, none of that counseling, none of these good things that's going on, like you say, uh, learning how to cope, learning how to manage uh, without resorting to violence, knowing how to uh, do this thing we call nonviolent communication. Um, having this emotional intelligence, um, uh, consciousness, right, and just just on and on and on, like uh, being able to be able to be there for somebody, like uh, Tara Lynn said, like somebody had a problem. Um, normally, like she said, shoot, I'm a big old encourager, but uh, this day I was just listening, right. So these are all skills. These are what we call soft skills, and um, these are the things that we want to. Um, bring to the community or or uh, connect with people who are already doing it in the community. I think it's important for you to um, express what you said. I just want to uh, just thank you, though, right? Will you um, want to add something to there? Because I'm sorry. I don't know if you was or not. It, it, it would have been helpful to have parenting classes. I mean, I'm grateful I had a job, so I was able to call the employee assistance hotline and ask for help because I was after I had my daughter I was angry and I didn't understand why because I'd always not wanted to be like I would run for my mom but it, it just came out of me like my mama came out and I couldn't control it you know with me and my my two-year-old were washing dishes and and she just did something that normal I just hit her but when I I like slapped her like I, told, I said I told myself told myself but she it was like something came over me and I could feel my mama in me come out. <laughs> but I mean, imagine people who don't have the EAP line, you know what I mean? To call and say, help me. 
So, I mean, that would have been nice. To, to, like, they forced those damn prenatal vitamins on me. They were like, you have to take these. You know, it's like, okay, well, give me a prescription for some counseling or some glasses. But I totally feel that. Definitely. Yeah, definitely agree with you on that because um, we always get in those situations and we never realize, we never think we're going to be that mother. And it's traumatizing when it does happen because now I traumatized my child. Um, she still, to, that, to this day, my daughter tells me she's going to sue me. And she got a little list. <laughs> I tell her, put it on the contract. And I said, you can deduct it from your inheritance, which I ain't got no money. So but I'm going to sue you then, mama. <laughs> she always, I'm going to sue you, mama. I'm not going to forget this. I got my list is getting longer. Um, we joke about it, but, you know, having that space um, to heal with our families, because we're all affected by something. My, my anxiety, I have anxiety. I didn't realize I put anxiety on my family. Um, yeah. You know, like my daughter couldn't even deal with school because of my anxiety and fears came off on her at school. I can tell you about that. I, I had anxiety and I took it so far as to be medicated. I was taking Advan for like a long time. It was paralyzing. And I always thought myself strong and, you know, but because I was in an abusive relationship, but I was not conscious of what was happening it took its toll on my body and so when it yeah. took its toll on my body like my body had to cry out and get my attention because I was just in denial you know I thought <laughs> la 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 this is good oh he's calling me a, you know you bitch I hate you but you you know all these horrible things that's their daddy and I'm like my kids need a daddy yeah I have a that's daddy. your way of being need a daddy I, I my mama wasn't married I'm married you know, like uh, that whole thing. Like I made that inner vow. I'm not going to be like my mama, you know, but I just did more harm than I did good in the long run, you know, but they did have me. So I ended up having a panic attack, which was, which, which totally uh, shocked me biologically and chemically because it overtook me. Like if something physical happened to me when I had that attack, you know, and then I went to the doctor and I'm like, oh, it's just this. And then I went, like, I went a few times and they treated me like I was stupid because I thought I was going to die. Like, I really, in that moment of panic and anxiety, I thought I was not going to live because my heart is beating fast. My, my, there's physical, physical things happening and I consider myself strong. But it was stress and too much stress over a period of time. You know, it's like just a disease caused the disease, right? And so it put me in that state and because I had felt it and it was real to me when I go to Walmart, I mean, it was just a whole thing, but I did get involved in ministry because I sought help and um, I did get myself off and how, how I was able to overcome that 100%. I do not take medication. I don't have no anxiety. If that tries to come on me and talk to me, come over me, there's triggers. triggers. (laughs) You realize that that's happening to you. And I'm like, no, devil, you lie. And, you know, I I just, you know, God didn't give me a spirit of fear. He gave me a spirit of power, love, and of a sound mind. Okay? Yeah. Sound mind. That goes against everything that all that anxiety and that panic and all that mess that comes over you. Right? And then I listened to um, Charles Stanley, which was victory over fear or victory over anxiety, not fear. There's, there's, There's a few of them, but the anxiety one. And he said, that's a faith battle. Either you believe what I say you're going to do, or you don't. Right? It's a faith battle. My and that's where I look at it as a um, warning. So that's part of my innate to understand my fears um, because I trust 
Cause I don't trust a lot of things. I, I, I still, cause I do a lot of video works with a lot of rappers and stuff. So I have to trust my instincts when stuff going bad. Um, some of the people I work with are, are really offensive offenders that are dangerous. So I have to be able to read them fast. So if I camouflage it, um, I won't be a, you know, I need to be alert at all times. Um, but I had to, had to learn through life because it is so like, I can't go to Walmart. I have to shop at Walgreens, you know, like I've had to change my life because of my anxiety. Cause you know, I, I spoon people off cause I got to be a certain, a certain way. I won't have my back a certain way. You know, my office is a certain way. It, it start. It's almost like I'm in jail. I'm moving a certain way, scaring the white folks at work. Um, so, you know, um, I don't want to come to the parties at work because I don't want to party with you. I don't want to say it like that. I don't, I don't eat with everybody. I don't know who made that food. We don't eat everybody potato salad. <laughs> I don't want to say that to you so I just don't come to the party. That's real. <laughs> they ask me, why you don't ever come to the party? Because I don't like the way y'all cook. <laughs> I like to eat, as you see. Um, and I try to make fun. Like, I try to, laughter is my healing thing. We have to laugh. A lot of us don't laugh anymore. We're so serious. Mm. We're so serious. And um, laughter, you have to laugh. That's why I, I, I was so happy to come see you today because it was just like, you know, um, but that pain, I wish I could take that pain from you because that's, that's a, that's a yeah. pain that's going to take some time to heal. You guys have some pain, a lot of work to do, and it doesn't have to be done in one day, just one day at a time. Take your time with it. Take your time. And like, because I'm so pissed. They don't give me anxiety pills no more. I'm so pissed at Kaiser. <laughs> I didn't stockpile. I didn't stockpile. I have, I have a bottle in the drawer. <laughs> I got stockpiled my anxiety meds. And she said, well, how are you still getting them? Because I have them. Because I, oh. I don't take them all the time, but I had them for so long. But I'm learning to learn to live without them because... Like you said, you, we do have to live without, we have to be able to cope. And it's a day that we have to cope. Because one day I didn't think I was going to be able to cope without the pills. But it's getting better and better and better. So the longer I go without it, I can go on a trip now without it. I couldn't do that before. Before I went on a trip, I had a whole bag of pills. I may not have that else in there. But I have my pills. I'll buy some underwear when I get there. <laughs> you know, I had a bag of pills. The fact um, that you want to. Yeah. You will. Yeah. Because you want to and you you just that strong. Yeah. It's there. Well, let me ask you one question real quick before we go back to Terry because I want to uh close it out with her about some things. But uh about the film thing. Come on, tell us about the film stuff. You say you're a line producer. No, that's my coping you. skill. That's my hobby. Tell like us people, about that. Wait, yeah, wait, first, wait. Yeah, I, let me just say this right quick because like I feel like that these forms of media can be used as tools to help people as well. And definitely how we are, these visual people and these uh, hearing people. So tell me how, like, tell me First all about it. Also, when I wasn't working um, in Louisiana, I didn't, you know, I used to do the community center and I used to do the little birthday parties and stuff and you the community center stuff. But then technology changed. When I moved back to California um, and I started having to deal with my trauma. I started doing it as a hobby because I don't sleep sometimes. The anxiety kicks in. I'll be up all night. So um, I started getting in trouble with the law because I'll be outside walking, police messing with me. So I started editing at night. Sometimes when you edit, you stay up for like eight, of, it could be eight hours. 
But a lot of people don't want to pay for eight hours of editing. You know, sitting down editing something for a long time costs a lot of money. Like they should pay. And sometimes our black people be like, I ain't paying that. I'll pay you $150 to shoot something. You know, <laughs> they don't want to pay 400 and under. So <laughs> pay you. You know, they'll pay, they'll pay a white man like 2000 to shoot their video, but they'll pay me like $150. So I don't even do videos no more. I might do some behind the scenes stuff and I don't do nothing with a camera no more. I do everything on my phone, my cell phone, because they don't, you don't pay me enough to bring out a camera, but I'll, I'll bring the cell phone. You can send me $150. You get a three minute video go fast on my cell phone. I ain't got good with my cell phone. Um, so, but it's really a coping. Hey, hey look, I bet you there's some good videos. These cell phones is great today. Like, <laughs> yeah, they, they be with you pretty good. But it's a trick to it. You got to pay for um for cloud space because it takes up a lot of space on your phone. So if you pay for the cloud space, because people, I'll be trying to, I'll be seeing people trying to shoot and their phone going all broken stuff and uh-huh, you can't keep shooting. Your, your phone that died on you, huh? it won't, it won't shoot no more. You got to pay for that cloud space, and that's a pretty penny. So that that's an investment for me. Um, so that's a game. Game, I should be selling that, not telling that. Because, <laughs> look, I'm over here like, that's 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 one of our things. Like, we definitely, uh, like, we're in a publishing now. we definitely going to make the switch to film. Like, we briefly into that right now, like, with our, uh, with our podcast. But we definitely want to put out uh, films with a message. I like to say some comedy stuff. We want to do some stuff to... Like entertain, but also inform. You know, because people need to. Yeah. Like, like, I hope. Like, I always said, like, I hope nobody had to go to prison to to. Uh, well, we had this youth thing uh, while we was inside institutions. We just bring the youth inside, and we were, it wasn't scary. Yeah. It, it was basically trying to help them think critically. So I was trying to. My thing is, I always be like, look, bro, I'm in prison going to college. Like, can you see the crazy dis- disconnect? Yeah. Bro, bro, I'm in prison. Going to college, I want a college degree. I'm like, what was hell was wrong with me when I was outside in the world? Well, all the colleges all around me. So I'm, I say, look, go to, don't be like me. Go to school now. Go have fun, and you know your life will happen. So uh, that's the whole idea. But I'm saying, like, how do we, how do we express that to people who feel like that? Because most times, when people face with problems, then they're willing to see the the, the options and stuff like that. Most times, um, like like. Uh, me coming home from prison from a life sentence, people outside in the world, not not saying what you're saying, that I got anxiety or I got this problem, I got this issue that I'm trying to work on. People say, <laughs> acting like they're perfect because they got a job, they got a house, they got a car. But, you know, me and my guys, and my lady looking around like, man, these people are nuts out here, man. <laughs> They'll shoot your ass in a drop of a dime over a, over a road rage. And we thought it was bad before we went to jail. So I'm just saying, like, that film, and we will, um, how could... Because uh, some kind of way, way like we uh, <coughs> um, information in them, like, uh, do you have any film that you have? Like you said, at three minutes. I've um, never done my own film. You know, that's the goal for me to do my own film because I've always helped people with their films because it's always been a hobby of mine. Um, or worked on somebody else's set or, or just got them set up with maybe the program that I use, like, because I couldn't be there just to show them how to use the program that I use. And or give them some tips or consult with them because it does take a lot of time um, and, and, and film and paying an editor and paying somebody to actually shoot it. 
and then I think the part that I've never really learned how to do is to shop it, to get it on Netflix, to get it on Amazon, to get it on all these new, um, you know, that stuff costs money to get them on all these sites and, and connect and, you know, you gotta have, a, I don't even have a connection for that, but some people do and having a good director, but people don't want to pay for a good director. Like to get a, a director from LA, that's an investment. That, that's what you want to get a director that has something on already Netflix. Like I try to share that with a lot of people is if you're going to get a director, get one that you know that already got something on Netflix, go through the black movies on Netflix, look at the directors, look them up. And then that's, yeah. Because it's always like that. It's like who you know. Yeah. I've moved through life. Like, I mean, really it was just people I know who hooked me up. And I'll be able to move up. I don't got a degree for what I do. I'm a business accounting. Yeah, business. everybody can get those people, but it's about the budget. It's I think, really uh, the budget. Had a great story, like like could be captured yeah. on a film, uh, can capture to, uh, to share. And, and I can, and for mothers, like they need this. They need to hear this. There's so many mothers that have lost their children. It's so many. It's so much grief going on right now with COVID. It's it's so many messages out there right now that we have to come together like I just had somebody do some harsh stuff to me that's supposed to be about Belak love and I'm like you know if I wasn't for my people I'll do a video about you <laughs> and put it out there to tell the truth but it's gonna hurt you more than it hurt me it's gonna hurt the program and the program is not about sometimes it's bigger than us and that's what bothers me is when people don't see the bigger picture because I'm all about for anybody that's trying to do something for their life and their self and if it's about giving back to the community that's even better, you know, and I just wish they had, I wish I had more access to money to do stuff. I probably would, you know, I, I just haven't found the way to get the money to, to do something really big. Cause if I did, I do know the people in place to put them in place. Now I just don't have the, the assets. Well, just stick around, stick around us for a little <laughs> while. while. Stick I'll around. Learn <laughs> we get into the money hey, one way or the other, you know, we hustlers yeah. around here. We doing legitimate hustling these days, but I'm telling you right now, like, like them programs wasn't inside the institutions off of uh it wasn't poor programs. You know, it was people that knew how to uh do the the documentation and get the access to the funding. And um they're no different than us. I mean, it might be a different hue, it may be a difference, but we're gonna find out really soon here. Um, and, and, so and I love this that what you guys have going on. Man, I went to Switzerland. Do you know I didn't see no homeless people on the street? And they have a lot of drug addicts. And I couldn't understand. They said, that's because we got drug problems. We have programs where people go check themselves in and the doctors give them drugs and they don't let them leave high. And they have to have a Switzerland address to even be a part of these programs. Because I said, where's all the homeless people? You know, I'm, I'm black. I want to see the black neighborhood. Where's all? I don't see nobody on the street sleeping. Like, this is weird. And this is downtown. Wow. And I'm like, the mindset is totally different to see that. I'm not saying that they don't have homes, but they have poor people. But everybody has to have a job out there. Everybody works. Everybody has a retirement. Everybody has an apartment. Mm. People don't make money off the rent. The rent don't go up. I talked to this doctor that had all these apartments. He said, I don't make no money off the rent. Every time mm. my apartment, the rent goes down. Guess what? Their rent goes down. The more they pay on the mortgage, the rent goes down for the tenant. So wow. their rent goes lower. And I was like, well, he said, but that doesn't help me. I don't make no money. I got to go to California, make some money. <laughs> our, our, that is messed up here. <laughs> but they got it good out there. And I'm just like, I need to pack up and go to Switzerland. Because <laughs> they, they're, living, they're living good. And they get paid good wages. Like, and they're closed on Sundays. Like, <clears throat> then, man. 
And now I'm back here and I'm just like, man, I just see homelessness and <laughs> drug, you know, it's not like they don't have the drug addicts. They, they have it, but it's a different mindset. Mm-hmm. It's the way That's we right. deliver stuff here. It's our harm reduction. We don't have harm reduction programs. We don't have programs where people can smoke weed in the houses. We, we don't have programs that if you want to use drugs, check yourself in, get high. But when they leave, they can't leave until they're sober. So they're not roaming around the streets high, you know? So I'm sorry. I had to share that with somebody. I needed to share that right. with somebody. You're fine. That's good. Uh, we definitely want to hear because we, um, our whole goal is, um, like people, um, um, come away from our show, like just thinking a little bit differently, you know, like having a, uh, different conversation that they not normally having. And it's not so like, it's very organic. Like, uh, we talk here, like, I like to hear about, uh, Switzerland and I like to hear about overseas because it's so different over here. Um, yeah. you think about the criminal justice system, right? Uh, when you mentioned about drugs and the way they treat drugs in Europe or, or some places in Europe, um, mm-hmm. I, I will say this, uh, their population or uh, their composition is a little different. Um, like they have pe- African descent people there, but they're from Africa, you know? And yeah. yeah. I, I hear that their prisons are, or a majority, uh, Muslims are in there. So, so. If you want to say that, if we were the 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 the, uh, the Muslims in Europe, like I'm trying to draw a parallel to America in a criminal justice system, like the criminal justice system is pretty packed. Like we have like the most people in prison in the whole world, and yeah. uh, um, that population. If you ever been in prison, you see a lot of people that look like us, right? Look black. Mm-hmm. So what happens is, if we treat drugs differently in society, then the prison system won't be what it is. And the population of the prison system won't do what it is. Then what happens to that criminal justice uh, apparatus, uh, criminal justice system apparatus? Like, like there's an incentive to keep things the way it is. There's, a, there's a billions and billions and billions of dollars in there, and to be able to do it like how um, to to walk out our doors or to walk to some of our neighborhoods and see a different reality. There's a lot of turn that we have to do on this big old ship. Like, there's a lot of turning, you know. And how do we do yeah. that? I think this is one way, like not waiting for the government to do something, uh, creating these community-based organizations and trying to, you know, trying to pull some of these things apart and uh, getting all these smart people uh, who can travel the world and see some things and then come back with these ideas and say, hey, you know what? Well, let's try this. Like, like you just did. So you're not rambling. I'm just telling you, like, we love to hear that kind of stuff because it's very um, helpful. You know, I talk. I'm sorry. I talked to them. I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and mute now. Thank you for having me. Um, I think this is awesome. And keep doing what you're doing, so we can solve some problems. So I'm definitely gonna keep chiming in. That's the go, Nina Drea. Are you guys have any more questions for Terry Lynn? Um, because I'm gonna let her say her last piece. I want you to say Terry Lynn. I want you to talk to the mother, or the sister, or the auntie, or the cousin, or the brother. Last week we had a father on here. Uh, he lost his son as well, right? In a car accident. So we have fathers that cry as well. Brothers, uh, friends. Uh, so I want you to speak to that person who's in the room, like you said, that don't want to come out, don't want to interact with somebody. I want you to speak an encouraging word to that person um, to get through whatever they're trying to get through so that they can get to the other side and be of help or a light or support for someone like how you are today? 
you said it's called seven stages of grief. Yeah, like it say five, but it is actually seven. And it gives to you. It's like denial, um, anger, acceptance. You know, it's it's real because it's actually everything that we're dealing with. You know what I'm saying? It's like you don't know. You don't know when you gonna get. You gonna be angry. And then you don't know when you're going to be in denial. Like, so it's, it's real. Yeah, it, it's real. Like she said, um, not only that, we know we lost the, within those two years, we lost a lot of people, uh, you know, for COVID. I, I had know. a close friend yeah. passed oh, yeah. away through COVID. Yeah. So many people, so many people have passed. Uh, I work in mental health. We lost so many people that were on mental health medication. And and what we got from the coroner's office is that they didn't OD and they didn't die from mental health medication. They just died in their sleep. And they're saying they didn't die from COVID. We have a lot of those deaths in the last two years. Yeah, uh, I'm on the mental hard. health board and the drug board in our county. So I, I've been asking a lot of questions. Like, I want the numbers. How many accidental yeah. deaths are there? And they yeah. kind of combine them. Yeah. Ricky and I work in mental health too in San Francisco. What city do you work out of? I work in Fairfield out of um, Solano County. So okay. I'm on the, the drug board for Solano County and um, the mental health board out in Solano County. So okay. yeah, it's, man. Um, it's, been, it's been hard. We don't have so many overdoses in San Francisco. Yeah. You know, young kids too, young kids. So well, hopefully we'll speak on that in a later, you know, a later mm -hmm. group or whatever. Mm -hmm. And and I pulled up those um, seven stages of grief. So the first one is shock and denial. This is the state of disbelief and numbing feelings. I think I stay there. I don't move past that. <laughs> uh -huh. okay. Pain and guilt. You may feel that the loss is unbearable. Pain and guilt. And then the other one's anger and bargaining then depression, then the upward turn, and then reconstruction and working through, then acceptance and hope. That's the seventh one. This is a very gradual acceptance of the new way of life and feeling of possibility of the future. Yeah. So that's a lot of stages. Thank you, Andrea. Thank I think you. I'm at the depression stage. You know, you get the last word, and then we're going to close it out. Not a, uh, I was you done? Did you have something else to add, Donna? Because um, I just I appreciate each one of y'all stories. I appreciate each one of y'all stories. You know, thank you so much for coming on, and I hope you guys. I hope this won't be the last time. We hope to see you again. Definitely, uh, definitely. Uh, you got an open, open, open invitation from us. Uh, Lynn, uh I was I was asking you to speak to uh, speak to that person that. It's not on here that may see it on our podcast that you can just 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 give them a encouraging word. Uh, probably tell them how they can get in contact with you, if possible, or, or your, your Facebook group. Yeah. Well, actually, I'll just say to them, to, uh, you know, just keep pressing. You know what I'm saying? Keep pressing. Don't give up. Um, turn your pain into purpose. You know, turn it into purpose. Do something. I don't let my I don't I don't let my daughter be forgot about. You know, I, I post her pictures. I you know what I'm saying? I I've been in the bargaining stage too, like, you know, why you just why you get out of the car, like, you know? 
But I just encourage the person, just get up. Get get up. Get out that dark space. Because I'm telling you, if you stay in that space, you're going to lose your mind. You know, so I just encourage you, just, just get up. Do something. You know what I'm saying? Talk to somebody. You know, just don't, don't, don't stay in that place. Talk to somebody. Get it out. Let it out. It's, it's, it's times I, I, when my daughter first passed, I stayed in the hospital. And I'm telling you, probably I'm left. I stayed there, but I had to, I had to get out that space. Because if I would stay there, it would have took me out. You know what I'm saying? I would lost my mind. So I just encourage whoever in that dark space to get up, talk to somebody. Talk to, if you can't talk to nobody, talk to God. Say to him, help me. Lord, help me. Okay? You you say it. You keep saying it. He don't, he don't help you. But just get up and stay up. Don't. Now, you, like I always say, I may bend, but I won't break. Because I have my bending moments. Just simply because I'm not superwoman. I do have my bending moments. But I got to get up. And I got to keep pressing. That's what I say. Keep pressing. You know what I'm saying? You, you, you got to keep yeah. pressing. So that's what yeah. I encourage. Get up and keep pressing. Keep pressing. And, and hold on to God. Hey man, let me tell you, look, that was that was scripture. That was a uh, that was a message today. That was a word today at church. Uh, uh, it was like First Corinthians said that God will. I mean, in short, God won't put more on us than we can bear, and He will always yeah, give yeah. us the right to escape. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that. I love that. Um, Nina, do you have the article and do you have a poem for us before we close? And um, uh, Wicked Denise and Andrea. Um, give me a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. So, Dre, you got any last words, Dre? I just want to thank everybody for their story and for sharing and being able to be honest and vulnerable, you know, and real about, you know, life. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, we've all been there, done that, and then going through things and overcoming things. And, you know, I know all about anxiety. And then my daughters, I hear their language. Oh, my anxiety. Oh, you know, all this stuff. And I'm like, no, the Bible says, <laughs> but you know, it's a process and, and it, this stage is long. Like for me to, to overcome my anxiety part took, took two years because I fought for it. You know what I mean? So it's just a, a process, but I'm just so thankful and grateful for everybody. And I definitely love Tara Lynn's, you know, mothers cry because man, like you say, we cry when they are born. And all along the way. <laughs> Denise, did you have anything you want to add? I just want to say thank you for having me. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for inviting me on. Uh, this has made me think about a lot of stuff, you know. So I really appreciate you guys even letting me come. Thank you. You're welcome. That's our goal, to make you think. Uh, to make you think. And, um, it's, it's kind of customary for us to say like where we are because our goal, our, our mission is in the United States. And, um, like right now, like we're in Texas, I think you guys are in Vallejo, California, right? And Nina, where are you, Nina? I'm in San, I'm in San Pablo. I'm in San Pablo. So we, we're a little bit, uh, we're a little bit extended on this show here, y'all. Um, and Denise, I, are you from Stockton? Well, my family's from Stockton, but I live in Fairfield. My business is out of San Francisco. And, I have um, a lot of people in Stockton, too. I got a lot of family in Stockton. And you know, Stockton know. is small. We might know the same It's people. a small town. Actually, 
Yeah, my family is one of the first black settlers in Stockton. Um, okay. So we we come from I come from a long line of. Ooh, we got a whole bunch of names: Hearts, Santanas, Clarks. Um, I see your I see your name is Clark, so you might relate it to me. We have, we have, um, Jones, Johnsons. You know, I look at that. You know, just just a lot of pain there. Um, yeah, a lot of love. I live in Fairfield now, but um, I I work a lot out of Oakland and San Francisco, and I work my regular nine to five in Fairfield, <laughs> mental okay. health, but uh, I'm all over the place. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> but I grew up in San Francisco. I went to high school and elementary school and stuff in San Francisco. I, okay. I just, I'm one of them can't afford to live there no more. Um, exactly. Yeah. That part. Wow. So not a, yes. Find it. Yes. I got it. It's, um, okay. It's, um, I didn't write this. My 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 niece wrote this, and she's contributing to our magazine, and it's called um, "What Do People Need Returning to Society." The world is constantly changing. It is more so for incarcerated people. I have been down for five and a half years, but I have been around people who have been in prison for twenty, thirty, or forty years. I have often thought about the challenges I would face upon my return to society, but others face more. We all have needs. Many of us lost everything when we caught many of us lost everything when we caught our cases. We have to start all over again. What exactly our our needs is the question in mind. Yeah, the cost of living is always rising. Landlords just about everywhere are increasing rent, making it difficult to obtain a place to live or remain housed. Finding shelter is one of the top priorities in returning to society. But where can affordable housing be found? How can an individual fresh out of prison or jail afford housing in today's economy? Access to that information is crucial. Every inmate should have information on shelter and affordable housing from their county or parole or probation. And just this is just my opinion, because probation officers don't help you like they used to. They used to get you clothes, housing and all of that. They don't do none of that no more. You know, um, this is a long this is a long one. But you don't want me to read the whole thing, Ricky, because this is kind of long. Uh, um, so so I just. Let me tell y'all, like this, this organization started with the idea to create a, uh, like I published my background. Um, uh, we created, I created a magazine while I was in prison. I have forgot about it. Um, me and my wife created it. Um, and then we started um, talking to these, uh, this group about like, what can we do? What can we do? Like, like she said, uh, then he said, we need to do something. See, I can resonate with a lot of little things though. We need to do something. We need to do something good, something positive. We need to help somebody. So we come up with this idea about creating a magazine that be like a roadmap. Uh, we want to show people that they don't have to get out of jail or, or, or institutions and go back into the same life. Uh, most of us be in these dark places and we don't have these good examples about how to come out here and be successful. We, Our examples is how to come take back over the block, you know? Uh, so we want to send this information back into the institution, showing people, hey, you know what, this is the, this is, this is the way, right? But, but 
Um, my idea is have this partnership. So we got an inside group of people telling us what they need or like what's important. And then we got us on the outside telling you this is what you need to be prepared for. So get documents, get this, get this, get this. So uh, we feel like it's going to be a great, uh, it's, it's going to be a great, uh, what do you call it, uh, model of community, right? That's that's about uh, showing a better way, you know? And so, yeah, so there's nine or so nine or so the article, it should be long because it should be a long list of stuff that we can put on our mind and think about, okay, because right. our medium here is to, to connect to other returning citizen community. And like uh, Denise was saying, like this funding, like our goal is to be able to help these individuals coming home. We're not just there talking. Like we, we don't just want to talk all the time. Yeah, we're talking right now. It's about information. But at the end of the day, we want to have some real tangible resources. And housing, it's so funny she mentioned that in, on the, like, the top part of the article because housing, remember uh, last week we talked about it or two weeks ago, we talked about housing is key. Like yes. That. But we're not very wealthy, but we know that we have the connections to these people who are, you know, who, who are already in these fields. So, mm -hmm. so it's important to get these messages outside, find out what the need is so we can find a way to it. So, yeah, so um, I have time to read the whole thing. If you don't want to read it, that's okay, though. No, 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 no. I, I can read it. <laughs> okay, so. I'm really excited. Uh, really, uh -huh. She, I'm really excited that, and this put us to, a little bit to shame because we've been out here and I told her and some other people on the inside to, to uh, start producing these articles. And here exactly. they are. Motivated. And like, she's on it. <laughs> Okay, uh, every inmate should have information on shelter and affordable housing from their county or parole or probation. Each county should provide resources for housing to make it easier and less stressful. More and more people are becoming homeless because rent is out of control. Being homeless and living on the streets leads to more criminal activity. We all need a place to call home and to rest our heads to stay out of trouble, take care of ourselves and our families, and to feel safe, secure, and stable. Along with housing, we need employment. We need to know which companies hire felons. Yes. What are they looking for in an employee? What kind of skills, talent, and experience do they require? Do they offer on-the-job training? Do they pay enough to afford the cost of living? Do they provide job security? Obtaining stable and secure employment is another way to reduce recidivism. And plus, it feels good to we are taking care of ourselves and, and our families. We're giving back to our communities and becoming better members of society. We need to learn how to write out a resume, how to prepare for interviews, and how to budget and spend money wisely. As a, as a, <laughs> As a mother, I think about my children 24-7. Being incarcerated is hard on both parents and children. Parents released from jail or prison need to access to re reunification services. We need to know what exactly is required of us in order to regain custody of our children if it was taken away. We also need encouragement and support and re-establishing re and or maintaining strong, consistent, and healthy relationships with our children. 
Also, having affordable childcare available would make things a little easier for us as we work to provide for our children and give them stability and security. Going to jail or prison is a traumatic experience. We are all out of our element and comfort zones. We are in an environment that is extremely hostile and stressful. You have to be aware and alert, and you're always on edge. Mental health services need to be available to those returning to society. I agree wholeheartedly. It is a process to go from one world to another and vice versa. When I think about going home, I honestly get a lot of anxiety, have gotten used to tight spaces, closed doors, fences, walls, and other forms of barriers on some level the past five and a half years I've been down. To be put in the open without any physical obstacles is both exciting and scary to me. The transition back to the free world is not going to be easy for me and countless others who have been in prison. For much longer, our minds have been altered in all that we've been and experienced. We need someone we feel safe enough to talk to. We need the support of our friends and family. As we adjust back to society, it feels good to see and know that we're not alone and someone has our back cheering us on. It makes a huge difference in our lives and becomes a domino effect as we give back what was given to us. As, as cliche as it sounds, no man, woman is an island. We need help. We need to feel understood. We need to heal and continue to grow to reduce recidivism. Technology is always advancing with the latest phones, tablets, and electronics. In today's world, most jobs require you to have some knowledge on computers. It is not easy gaining access to a computer in jail or prison. I have been around people who don't know how to use the internet because they caught their cases before it came out. Classes on computers should be made available in jail, prison, so inmates can learn or relearn Microsoft Word, Excel, PowerPoint, etc., as well as typing upon release, learning how to use the internet and how to operate touchscreen devices should be given to those who lack knowledge. Information about the Obama phones is needed so we can maintain communication with parole, probation officers, job interviews, and our loved ones. Learning the latest technology will give us a huge boost of confidence as we move forward in the life. Starting over is never an easy thing to do. Sometimes it's difficult to know what to expect with little to no information or support inside and out. It would be less stressful returning to society with the proper tools and knowledge that help us succeed. Being incarcerated is like being blind. If we can't see, then we don't know. But though learning, we then know, and therefore we begin to see. We learning through information and resources provided to us. We need guidance because we can't figure it out on our own in order to be better citizens of society. Man, she said everything, man. See? See, Nana, you talk about, is it too long? Is it too long? Let me just say this, me just say this right quick. So look, y'all, look, come here. This is the, I mean, this is the main point. This is why we exist. 
I, I didn't even know. I never knew about that, um, like what the content of that article, but she did it so beautifully. Like we can, like this, this magazine, like I don't, I barely know Adana, but guess what? She's an example of what we said about, um, for our, for, for my publishing company, like we're going to publish her poetry book. I already agreed to that. Right. Um, not to say she's been in jail about five years. I don't know if she knows when she's coming home. Um, she's trying to get resentencing. And we wrote her a support letter. Two, that's number two. The book, the support letter. And then number three is this article. I think this is a award-winning article right here. Like, 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 literally, like, it kind of speaks for, it's not just about her. It speaks for everybody that's incarcerated when they're coming home, like the kind of things that they feel like they need to be successful. Now, now we can add to that because we out here, we know a little bit more, but this is the purpose of this magazine, to bridge this gap and to create a path so people can go out and be successful and you don't have to worry about that no more. Uh, this recidivism rate uh, definitely will go down. But we need, to connect, we need to connect with employers. We need to connect with housing people. We need to connect with, you know, um, mental health people. Like we know them. Like, like I said, we work around them all day. All we got to do is ask them. You know, I would just ask people, can we get two hours out of a month from you, three hours out of a month for you? So this thing is happening, y'all, and it's happening so organically. Nina, I'm so I'm so grateful to hear that that article that you just written um, is bringing me chills because it's just right. Just right. What we talked about several, several months ago. Now, now I'm going to ask you, Nina, I put you on me. I'm going to ask you, what do you think about that article? Because you read it and it's your niece. And then, y'all, let's close out because we one minute, we one hour and 51 minutes in. Man, Ricky, she on point about everything. It is beautiful. It's beautiful. It's on point about everything. That's exactly what she, we need housing. Housing is uh, going going up, you know, people, more people are homeless. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's she on point about everything. So I'm definitely, this is getting me pumped up. So we definitely need to get on the magazine. Yeah, and the magazine is officially called Tap In because we're going to tap in. And we're going to stay tapped in. Tapped into them, tapped into you, tapped into ourselves. We tapped. Lady, I've been listening and I'm uh, thinking, I say, well, maybe I'll uh, try to write a movie, uh, Mother's Cry, you know, since I do write. And uh, For real, you know, bro. For real, for real. Yeah, really, really, though. And Because uh, I've been experiencing it through my wife. All the time, I get a lot of experience with that, and a few others. And listening to you guys, the ladies speak and stuff like that, they do need an outlet. And me and Denise have worked together before on movies, and um, so um, I'm hoping to be able to write something that um, me and Denise can uh, collaborate on. And man, my wife's expertise. Man. And then Rick, man, you you just I'm telling you, man, you you run the car. All I want to do is just write, and then uh, like I said, I'm gonna sit back and just write and see if you like it, man. You know. It ain't gonna be about the pimping no more like I used to write. I you know, write <laughs> my wife's been asking me to write for her anyway. I just, you know, because she wasn't writing her book, so I got to show her how to write a book, really. And then, you know, what we learned in prison, you know, through college and stuff like that, man. And uh, I'm really proud of you, the way you talk and the way you narrate this whole show, man. It's just so professional. I'm just so proud of you because that's what I listen to. I listen to that. I be really listening to how you use your words. Your punctuality. I mean, I just see how you punctuate what you do. The diction is uh, for real. Bellissimo, right? We were saying. Even me, I'm like, 
I'm amazed. I'm like, hold on. Let me take this. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he's really good at his craft. And uh, he's been, he's been, I mean, you know, it's really, you should take, take notice of that. But like I said, I hope that a mother cry really gets off it by having Denise, having my nephew as a district attorney, having Denise as an expert in all these fields. I'm telling you, she just, she don't, she don't brag, but she is bad. And um, so the thing is, and your wife too, and uh, uh, the other young lady, Andrea, right? And you guys are so magnificent in the way you guys talk about things and do things. You guys can lead things really, really a long ways. And let's do this, you know, for, for the future of our kids and the future of humanity, really, you know. And don't worry about it. You're going to get paid, okay? God said, do the right thing. First, hey, get, man, paid, get the peace, and then all else will be rewarded to you. You will hey, get man, paid. Just excited, do it man. Oh, I've been excited, man. That's how I'm excited. Because, look, that's a story that is, is very needed all around this country, man. And then yeah, no. uh, the healing. Like, like Denise experience, you know, and then a uh, little couple of dollars, you know, we can throw in, man. We make this thing happen, man. I'm serious, though. Yeah. And it, it just go on from project after project. Because I'm not stopping at one, man. I, I did one book in I already know what you're going to do. 2015. <laughs> I did not stop then. You know? <laughs> That's Come a on, thing, man. boy. We, yeah. we ain't stopping. So I don't want to hold y'all too much long because uh, this is my last night in Texas. So I got to enjoy my family, man. I love y'all. I thank y'all for coming here and sh uh, sharing your story with us. And like it's not over. We're gonna do this every single oh, week. Yes. Like, and the right, Facebook page is a mother's cry. Okay, let me get that. Um, a picture of me and my baby up there. Hey, baby. I'm gonna show you guys the picture that's up there. So, right, so I got Carolyn Garrett at gmail.com. Okay, yeah. So I gotta put Gmail this, there. I put mail. This the picture that's up there. Let's see. That's okay. that's this the last picture me and my baby took together. Thank you. We're gonna put that up there so people can find you. Okay. Oh my gosh, thank y'all, thank y'all. Just don't like this. There you go, right there. Mother's cry. But uh, this is not a one time thing. Uh, we hope to get better, 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 better. You know, like, uh, your, your power is going to increase. <laughs> yeah, thank you guys. Y'all have a good day. Nina, we didn't get no poem from you, but that article was dynamic. Oh my, it was. I can't wait to talk to her. <laughs> thank you. you All have right. A, happy Sunday. You too. All right, Rick. Have a Good great night. Day. I'll see you. Um, see you next week. Okay. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, brother. All right. God bless. God bless. Bye.